0: Welcome to Cooper and Company, where politics meets people. We are so excited you have taken time out of your busy schedule to join us. The mission of this show is to engage, inspire, educate, and entertain. I hope the conversations that I have with today's trailblazers in education, business, politics, international policy, and more inspire you to do more with the resources and the platform that you currently have. By the way, I wanna say thank you to our associate producer, Cindy Lynn for assisting me in this whole podcast production. Today's guest is Mr. Gregory Call, who is currently running for US Congress in Maryland. And he's on the ballot for the general election on November 3rd, 2020. He advanced from the Republican primary on June 2nd, 2020. And professionally, he's a systems engineer team manager and involved with a variety of different projects. Mr. Call set his goals on obtaining a job working for the space shuttle program after graduating from college early. One of his dreams was that he wanted to definitely work with the space shuttle program, and he started with United Space Alliance working on the main propulsion system of the space shuttle in February of 2004, and it was a real dream come true for him. Mr. Call currently serves on volunteer boards and he is actively engaged in his community as well. For today's podcast, we are going to focus on what it's like to run for Congress and hopefully we're going to demystify the process. We're going to hear a lot more from Mr. Call and talk about his platform, why he decided to run, and things that are just important to him personally as well as the community in which he serves. So I really want to take this opportunity. Opportunity to make sure that anyone out there who's interested in running for office, that you sort of have um, a bird's eye view as far as what it's like to run for office office. I met Gregory when we were on the campaign trail and we were literally against each other for the Maryland U.S. Congress District 8 seat through the primaries. It was just such a pleasure to to meet Gregory. It's important to, to create camaraderie because if you don't make it through but someone else does, you have to be able to root for them. And of course you want the best for whatever party affiliation you are in for whatever your goals are for your district. You want to definitely support that person. So that's why I thought it was important that we invite Mr. Call on the show today. We talk about his experience, my experience running for office. We wanted to definitely demystify it for for many of you out there who are on the fence about running for office in any office that you like. Both of us just happen to run for United States Congress. So we're excited to have Gregory here on our show today. Thank you so much, Gregory, for joining us.
1: Thank you so much uh, for those kind words, Bridget. I really do appreciate it. And it was uh, really nice to run against you in the uh, congressional primary. You were definitely uh, the most experienced candidate that uh, we were running against, and we were very nervous to be running against you. We really respect uh, all that you've done. We hope that you'll continue uh your effort uh, supporting uh, the campaign, the Republican ticket. A little bit about me. Um, So as you said, Bridget, I'm the Republican candidate for representative in Congress, Maryland Congressional District 8, and I will be on the general election ballot this November. I'm a businessman, a rocket scientist, a family family man, uh, married with three children. Uh, My priorities include healthcare services, strong military and pro-life agenda. And my strengths include problem solving, leadership, and management.
0: What made you decide to run for Congress this go around? I know I got that question a lot. Like you can't get through an interview without that question <laughs> being asked. So right. I'm just going to go ahead and ask it again. <laughs>
1: what made so, you? There was right. there was a number of um, there was a, a number of things that uh, all kind of led up to my personal decision and the decision to have me run for office and really you know i've been um interested in politics for quite a long time my background's been in uh, space systems and engineering uh though when i was a little bit younger when i was um even in high school and in college i was the president of the graduate student association of university of central florida where we had a large body of around 42,000 undergraduate students and 7,200 graduate students at the time. So I you know I had some experience with leadership role like that and through my career, you know, I've had opportunities within uh, advancement of my uh, technical career within engineering and space systems management to take leadership positions on. And really what I want to do is bring some of this technology and bring my experience to Congress. Um, I've had this draw to Washington, D.C. and actually I even spent one of my birthdays uh, just going down there and going to Congress and you know, talking to uh, congressmen and, and um, just being involved. Uh, and I've also had a, a great opportunity to meet my congressmen uh, and senators through uh, AIAA, the American Institute for Aeronautics and Astronautics And so I've served on um, their liquid propulsion technical committee um, for a number of years. And I'm also a senior member. And we've talked to and helped uh, congressional members just understand some of the scientific and STEM curriculum that they may not fully grasp. So what I want to do is just bring these technologies and bring this understanding and my experience to Washington.
0: How did you prepare mentally for the primary election?
1: You know, running for public office like this, especially for Congress, isn't something that um, you should take lightly. And I highly recommend before doing something like this, explore things that you wanna do in your career. And people should explore things that they're interested in, especially for jobs that they feel that they're passionate about, or in an area or field that they are excited because they're gonna do the best. And speaking to those people that are listening, you will do your best. If you're doing something that you enjoy and love. And then, if you decide later, you know, you become successful in those things that you really enjoy and love and have an opportunity to give back and, you know, run for office, I highly encourage you to do that. Um, but it is not something. You know, for me personally, it's not something that I'm just super passionate about in the sense that that's all I want to do for my whole life. It's more like I feel like I'm giving back to society by doing it.
0: And everybody's experience is is different. How are you preparing now versus during the primary? So uh, we took
1: a basically a two-spaced approach to our run. And the first phase was getting through the primary election. Specifically me, I set up a very detailed plan. So we have a written structure in how we're going to operate. We have a context diagram. We have sets of requirements. And they all really stem from the mission objective and the mission goals. So what, what I've done is basically defined two-phase plan. One is when the primary and the second one is win the general election. And then what we do from there is break down the goals from those mission statements into separable goals. So one might be, I need so many votes. One might be, I need to comply with FEC regulations. One might be, we need to raise so much money. And then from those goals we derive objectives. So then we look at specific objectives and then we have layers of requirements after that and we break it down to solve the major you know, mission statement and mission problem. And We break it into these smaller requirements and the requirements can go down as low as, hey, we're gonna have a Facebook page and post so many days a week or we're gonna do direct mail advertising or whatever it is. So that's kind of the flow down and then we have a flow up that basically says we actually verified that we did something. So when we, for instance, if we had the requirement, hey, we have to get on the ballot. So we got to go down to Annapolis and physically fill out a form and get on the get on the primary ballot. Well, once we do that, we say, okay, here's the document that shows that objective evidence that we did that activity. And then we have to define what what is actually going to cross that interface. Like for the FEC, it's going to be the filings and reports that we submit for voters, it's going to be some kind of media. Well, that's something different. So we have a media team. There's also like how you position a message. How do we persuade people to vote for us? Why are they voting for Gregory Call? Well, we want to provide value to those voters in order to get that message out. We figure out what it is that people need by asking them, doing surveys, things like that. And then we define the value proposition for those individuals and then communicate to that.
0: For me, it's a little different. I mean, my background is in the arts, so I'm goal-oriented. But at the same time, I have a different process as far as how I decided to implement what I needed to do. And I also had to keep in mind my personal reason for running. I realized that in 2018 I didn't I didn't really have anybody as far as no one had heard me, nobody had knew of me outside of music. And at the time there were two other candidates. I think I just kept going to everything and talking to everybody and as much as talking to people as much as I could. What has your experience been? My experience in both. 2018 and 2020 was really positive, but I think it's just because that's how I like to look at things. But there were a couple of rules that I had. I would never throw anyone under the bus. I would never, even if I found out information, I would never speak poorly of another candidate. And one of my rules was always, like what we're doing now is always really important for me to stay in touch with anyone who ran for office because it's a thankless job. You know, you, you spend a lot of time away from your family. I know, Gregory, the, the first time we met, you mentioned that. You're like, oh, well, ma- what made you decide to run again? It's so much time that you put in. And I just thought it was really important. And I think as, just as a family person and someone who's a parent, I just thought it was really important for me, especially as a woman of color, um, to show people that you don't have to start out with a ton of money. But the other thing is that it was really important for me to show other people and especially young women and people from all different walks of life that you too can participate in being engaged.
1: Running for Congress has been eye opening in the sense that so many people have reached out to me and so many people have expressed their concerns and, you know, people like me, they don't normally run for office until things get bad. And then all of a sudden, a lot of people like me decide, you know what, enough's enough. We're going to stand up for what we believe is right. We're going to stand up for the people. We're tired of uh, these politicians and, and people like Raskin, uh, who's a current incumbent in Maryland Congressional District Day. We want him out of there.
0: So do you think that uh, one of the best things about um, running for Congress is, even though the points you brought up are challenging, um, but don't you think that that's also one of the best things about running for Congress or running for an office, the fact that we all live in a bubble and we can all kind of bury our heads in the sand because we get taken up with work and, and kids and family and whatever else we have going on, where now you can see, oh wow, there are really, there are people out here with problems that I never even thought either existed or it never applied to me or just things that really make you a better person because you really start to empathize with what people are going through and then you also shape your message to um, one of the ultimate reasons why all of us run for office is to make things better. Would you yeah, a- absolutely. agree with that? Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's because a
1: huge it's- learning experience. Yeah. But you don't really know what you're getting into until you do it. Yeah, so exactly. Actually <laughs> exactly. running and, you know, getting this opportunity um, is something that kind of forces you to be get sharp, to fully understand these, not just to the point where you understand them, but to understand all these policies, all these you know, different bills and legislation that are going through uh, our government, where you can explain them and simplify them for other individuals and let them know, hey, this is really in your best interest. You don't want to vote this way because this really, even though it looks good, it's not. Getting that sharp um, and getting that experience doesn't really, like, you don't have the motivation, or at least I didn't have the motivation to get to that level until now, you know, when you're getting calls about hey you're going to be in a televised you know debate with the current house representative until you get those things scheduled and on your plate and in your mind at least for me you're not you're not giving it 100% you know that's one huge positive thing is that you really get a full understanding of what's going on
0: our associate producer she reached out to me actually because she was doing research for school. And um, she was just interested in learning more about me, about my campaign, and so we scheduled time to talk. And her words were so encouraging to me that even it's still weird for me to hear people think of me as, oh my God, you're such a role model. People reach out to you. Where you didn't think you actually had an impact you are really impacting so many lives that you come in contact with. Under the COVID-19, what do you think about the general election? Do you think we should have postponed it? We postponed the primaries. So I
1: think COVID-19 is, you know, it's something that's very serious, extremely serious, not just in the sense that it's uh, infectious that people could get ill or die from it, but it is also greatly impacting the world economy and the sustainability of our infrastructure. I think in two folds. One is we need to get back to work, having um, physical presence in in work and having school kids in school, physically in school interacting, is very, very important. Uh, I have three children, one is uh, in grade school. And for social emotional uh, learning and just being there interacting with the other students, I think it's critical for uh, young children to uh, fully develop. And so I think it is critical that they're, they're getting uh, interaction. This is not something we need to uh, mess around with. We need to be extremely careful. We need to make sure that we are only opening things up that are critical. We need to open up and where we can stay safe, where there's higher risk with elderly populations, um, higher density populations like inner cities and, and apartment complexes and things like that. We have to be more safe. We need to make sure that if we have, Precautionary measures that people are actually abiding by those precautionary measures. I absolutely think we should uh, continue to stay on track with the election timing and make sure that we have a system in place to safely vote. I believe that we can do that in many different ways. I think we'll be fine um, having some mail in and some in person voting. I think that we need to make sure we have more in-person stations so that the lines don't get backed up and then the people that want to vote don't walk out of line because yeah, they're tired of exactly. sitting in line, impeding people from casting their vote. Because I feel like in the primary election, I was actually a witness to a number of people who were standing in line and they just decided they were tired of being in line and they just walked away. They were just walking away. And I'm not sure how many people would have, you know, in that case drove up and left. I mean, these are people already standing in line, getting closer, and to know that they left just makes me think, wow, how many people drove in through the parking lot, saw the line, and left? Making sure that we're not persuading people from voting, I think, is very important.
0: Uh, What can Congress do now that will improve the morale and our overall confidence of, of citizens in the United States?
1: We need to come together as a nation, and I feel like between the giant divide and the far left and you know in some cases i see in the far right i see a lot more in the far left in their activities and violence and protests that are unpeaceful i feel like they're dividing the country for my campaign you know i feel like i'm someone that can bring people together i'm a scientist i'm an engineer i'm not a career politician that's just out to divide people and, and separate populations for getting a vote In 500 years from now, no one is going to know about COVID. You know what they're going to remember? They're going to remember this time, 500, 1,000 years from now, as the rocket renaissance. This will be known as the time when humans left Earth, started exploring our solar system, started utilizing the resources within the solar system, and reached out into space. And A lot of what I see in this country, specifically a lot of what I see with the radical left, not all Democrats, you know, I feel like there's actually quite a bit of people that can get behind a more moderate um, conservative approach to politics and how we operate as a human race. And I think I'm the person that can bring that message.
0: What do you think about, just what what our country has been going through regarding race relations um, on our previous show we had uh, Brandon Cooper no relation talk about black lives matter and being a conservative being an African American conservative, which I am as well. Um, and how we felt about Black Lives Matter and that there are a lot of people that don't understand the organization. But at the same time, the phrase we totally agree with, we believe in, we think that is an important, important message to get out. How are you gonna address that as uh, a congressperson and speaking not only with a national platform, but also with your local platform? because it does need to be addressed. Yeah. Yeah. And I 100% maneuver, you know,
1: yeah, I 100% uh, feel like we need equality, Mm -hmm. you know, strictly equality. And when the far left separates a population, it's not good for anyone. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's, there are many different races and creeds and religions and things that are uh, protected within the United States. You know, honestly, coming through towards my run for uh, office, I felt less and less and less um, divided than I ever have recently until, um, until this big uh, Black Lives Matter movement really started. i would be really honest uh you know i'm very unracist my uh my i guess i don't want to call him campaign manager but one of my uh best uh friends and my uh actually is a democrat that is helping with the campaign he's a african-american and uh you know i grew up in new jersey with a lot of friends that were people of color and you know i've i've never you know been a party to a big controversial racial you know incident or anything like that just because I feel like I grew up in the north and I you know grew up where it's more diverse I wonder if it is like a democratic a far left radical manipulation that's happening because the more and more I think about it the more and more I felt equal and the more and more I felt comfortable and I feel like the people of color felt more comfortable with me and of, you know, just being generally equal in Mm -hmm. society and judged on merit before this. And now that this is going on and this whole uh, movement is happening, I feel like more separation and, and, you know, when I even just cross paths with some individuals of color, I feel uncomfortable. And I feel like they feel uncomfortable about me because I'm a white guy. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that feeling. And I I want mm -hmm. that feeling to go away.
0: And it is, I mean, it is really uncomfortable. If anyone's listening to this podcast, you can go listen to the interview I had with Brandon Cooper. We did talk about Black Lives Matter and how republicans feel about it and also being african-american conservatives is it really something that's kind of set up to really divide people even more if you really want to support an organization that is about criminal justice reform social justice reform Urban League of America is a great one. NAACP is a great one. I mean, give directly to them. I appreciate you sharing your platform. I'm so excited for you and I'm excited to help you any way I can. Thank you again for joining us, Gregory. How can our listeners learn more about the work that you do and where can they get in contact with you?
1: Thank you so much for having me on the show and uh, thank you for those uh, kind words. So uh, you can get in contact with us. Our website is www.gregorycall.com that's Gregory, col We also have a Facebook page and it's Gregory Call, then the number two. And um, yeah, you can find us on there or you can email us at info at Gregory,
0: Gregory is just one example of a great candidate who is ready to listen, to represent all the constituents, especially in in this case in District 8. So I really appreciate it. I'm excited for you. I want to say thank you so much for everyone. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Cooper and Company. If you would like to contact our show, please feel free to email us Bree Cooper and Company. That's B as in boy, R I, Cooper and Company at Gmail. A huge thank you again to Cindy Lynn, our associate producer of the show. And remember, don't wait for the change. Be the change. You to see in the world.